Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 124, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And as always, we are bringing you interesting discussions with diverse voices, and to help us out today as we journey back to Wakanda is Destiny Cleveland, Marketing Manager at Freedom Games and host at Burnout Brighter Podcast. Destiny, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you. And um, we last had you on the Video Games Roundtable earlier this season, so earlier on this year. And as we do, we like to rope people in again and um, bring them back for more episodes. So yeah, thanks. (laughs) And we have uh, someone new, actually. Uh, So we managed to rope someone new. We've got Dylan from the Popcorn Podcast. There's a lot of peas, so I had to work that that out um yeah sorry about that hi guys thank (laughs) you very much for having me on the on the discussion today very excited to get into it yeah like i was saying just before recording like dylan has some uh, cool videos on youtube and covering different uh different stories so felt like a good fit so yeah thanks for joining us uh for everyone listening uh just a reminder that you can subscribe to story x story on apple Podcasts, on spotify uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from uh, you can always send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com uh, you can throw them at us on social media as well we are at myamada on twitter at myamada tv on instagram and tiktok or at tazzy on all the above uh, you can also join the studio 77 discord and be part of the my matter universe and meet others in the community and you can consider becoming a studio 77 member to support the work that we do at my matter and get exclusive access to events and artwork as well so before we get into today's story discussions we're going to update you with the latest from the my matter universe <laughs> As we fast approach the end of the year, it means the end of another season. So we're on season four, past like the 100 episode mark this season as well. And we've got a bunch of episodes still to come. So we have a discussion on Stranger Things to come. We have interviews with uh, comic creators, Hannah Berry. Uh, We also have an interview with a television writer. So Mariama Yves Moiba. Um, coming up as well and then we have our special episodes that we do at the end of the year including our highlights episode where we wrap up moments from the season gone things that didn't make it into final edit and a whole load of bloopers so we squeeze as much as we can um it's always fun to do uh, hopefully fun to listen to as well and then we have our 2022 wrapped episode where tazzy and i discuss our favorite stories of the year and surprises um as well so we go through draw up a short list uh tazzy struggles picking favorites i apparently don't and apparently enjoy torturing tazzy so that's always a fun listen so you've got that come as well so before the end of the season then we take a recording break over january but we will have uh rewind episodes uh, over the month but then in february we record again for season five of story x story uh so that's to come before then we have some studio 77 activities for december we are continuing our series casual conversations with comic creators which is our monthly chat Uh, where I speak to a different comic creator to uncover the person behind the art form. So you can catch my discussion with comic creator Laura Watson-Davies on Tuesday, the 6th of December from 7.30 p.m. GMT. So that's going to be a one-hour live stream talking 
casually with a comic creator. Uh, so you can catch that. We also have our Knockout City Games Night coming as I record it, but by the time you listen to this, it would have already happened. So you'll be able to catch the Twitch VOD and see just how well or not well we played. You'll be able to see the Twitch VOD for 14 days after we do it. We also have a physical event. So we've done all of our gamepad and do I look like a gamer cam- uh, campaign events, but we have a event we're going to be taking part in, uh, which is going to be located at the Zabludovich Collection, um, which is an art gallery in the borough of Camden uh, here in London. And they are doing an exhibition with a Chinese artist, Liu Yang, who is inspired by video games and anime uh, and has a very interesting exhibition uh, going into the new year. So we're going to be going there on December the 19th and bringing a games design workshop. So people will be able to take part in designing their own tabletop game that's influenced in some way, like theme or adapting a mechanic from one of uh, Liu Yang's games and learning how to make a game, make a tabletop game uh, as well. So that's going to be open for all ages. And then in the evening, we're going to be playing video games, uh, including a tournament on some of Liu Yang's games, as well as bringing some anime-inspired games for people to play casually. So it should be an interesting day, not something we've done before. So it's going to be interesting for us uh, as well in that kind of uh, setting. But yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes for people to uh, find out more information uh, and see if they can come along. And we're kind of looking into next year for our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign. So we've done our events uh, for this year, but because of the importance of the topic around diversity in video games, it's something that we want to repeat each year. So we're going to plan how we launch a 2023 campaign uh, in the spring. So stay tuned to hear how you can get involved in 2023 campaign. You can check out looklikeagamer.com. Uh, Follow us on socials and we'll put the details up there as and when we get them. Uh, So this year's campaign has been proudly sponsored by Rocksteady Studios and Smash Damage. And because of that support, we've been able to put on events that are free for people to attend and get involved with. And hopefully we can bring on more people from the games industry uh, for the years to come. Uh, So that's pretty much where we are. Now we're we're all caught up. uh, Let's talk about some of the stories that we've been enjoying this week. So each week we like to ask our guests what stories that everyone's been reading, watching or playing and we keep it nice and spoiler free in this part but we will start with, who will we start with? We'll start with our newest guest I think. Yeah so it can be anything you read and watch and playing that you want to shout out uh so over to you dylan so, sounds good um so uh i guess we'll just i mean i'm more so more so a movies guy uh as opposed to series i do watch quite a few series when i can but i just on a day-to-day basis i do try and get a lot uh, through a lot of movies as, as many movies as i can not this month but last month i went to the the london film festival and watched like uh, a load of uh, loads of new films that are sort of coming out kind of around this time and sort of towards the start of next year which was um which was really really cool series wise uh, the last sort of shows that i i watched were uh the rings of power show and uh house of the dragon both fantasy shows i'm a big uh, mm-hmm. fantasy which one was uh, better guy. cuz that's like the question oh come on man it's it's got to it's got to be house of the dragon <laughs> <laughs> 
I do like both. I I I I've been seeing the Rings of Power get a lot of uh, a lot of stick, but um, I I do enjoy both. I think both are very very different. Um, but if I had to pick one of the two, it would it would it would definitely be House of the Dragon. Yeah, I think it's it was it's a really great return to the Game of Thrones world. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed watching watching each episode week by week. Um, it felt like we were we were back essentially enjoying enjoying that world uh once yeah. again just like i still uh, not started it i need no? to get into this have you seen uh, have you seen game of thrones yes yeah, yeah. i was i was no, there for okay. all of it and uh, the ups and the downs yeah yeah, I, yeah <laughs> you want to talk about the downs <laughs> yeah. awesome but aside from those i think um i've been trying to get through all the halloween films since sort of october and it has been a real pain because there's like 13 of them um and i've done about i think i've done 10 it's just the new ones that i haven't seen yet but um most of them are really really bad so um yeah it hasn't been an always enjoyable experience with them those films but um yeah i'm trying my best to get through them that's um that's definitely a feat yeah (laughs) cool does what about you so what have I been watching? I just binged through an anime called Romantic Killer that was on oh, Netflix. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have a fan. Um, yeah. uh, binged that. It was very cute. Um, especially because it was female protagonist. So she was a gamer and like there's like bits of romance in it. It was it was cute. Um and then I watched Oni. Thunder God's Tale, which is like a four-part miniseries that's, um, it looks like it's 3D animated, but it reminds me of, like, on the scale of, like, Coraline and, like, Nightmare Before Christmas, kind of, like, puppet-looking. Really cool. It was on Netflix as well. If you haven't checked that out, it's super adorable. Let's see. For movies, I think the movie I keep going back to, and it actually came out in 2021, but it's called The Harder They Fall. And it's basically a black Western with like Idris oh, yeah. Elba. And after seeing that, I've, I've watched it like multiple times. I really want like a video game <laughs> like based <laughs> off of it. So um, that's a suggestion for people who might be interested. Um, nice, diverse cast. Uh, what else? Uh, as for games, I just started a MMO called Tower of Fantasy. It feels more like a single player game as for the story, because there's not like you can't really do missions together with uh, other people. But it's really cool if you guys are into MMOs. And um, yeah, I I think those are the things that have been like on my radar, like most recently. Nice. Yeah, I kind of have a little bit of a school there with uh, Romantic Killer. I can't remember if it was called Romance Killer or Romantic Killer, but you you helped me out there. <laughs> I saw this pop up on my Netflix. I didn't actually see the trailer, but as soon as I saw it, I'm like, Tazzy likes this. Like, I don't know what it's about. I don't know what it's about. I, I don't know anything about it. I just like, sort of like, yeah, Tazzy likes this. So, full disclosure, I have been off work ill this week. Like, no content making. Well, a tiny, tiny bit of content making. Um, <laughs> relatively no content re- making, no like work, nothing. Like I've I spent about three days just on the sofa, like watching stuff. Sometimes you need that, you know. It's like it can be like self care. Yeah. yeah, it was 
absolutely self-care and romantic killer actually i watched romantic killer the other week that wasn't well i re-watched it while i was on the sofa <laughs> so we'll count it this week but i really enjoyed it and i want to talk about why i really enjoyed it so it's uh lead protagonist is a young woman 17 16 17 she's in high school so yeah she's probably yeah, like, around she's she's probably like a junior because like i think the person that she likes or a couple of people she likes are like a not that she likes but anyways they're like ahead of her by a year or something like that yeah okay yeah but yeah and it's like it follows a lot of like typical romance anime tropes but with a twist i guess <laughs> That's a really, really fun journey. And the lead character is so relatable and mm-hmm. down to earth. Like, like they just love video games. They're cat and chocolate. And and that's all they want from life. Yeah, <laughs> obsessed with cats. Like, and they've gone through like their whole life up until now, just being absolutely, absolutely absorbed in video games and taking no interest in romance. Um until the start of this anime (laughs) and it is so fun like it's so fun and i love the animation style and i love that um she's just kind of she's just her like unapologetically her yeah i would have to agree that's probably one of the best parts like she doesn't change herself for anything and like i think it's not like one of those mushy romance kind of like um animes like it's it's really really fun and there's no point where like she's like how do i say this where she loses herself to the ideal of falling in love which yeah. i really really like so and to be fair there isn't actually any romance in this <laughs> yeah no there's like hints of like oh maybe something will happen but it's never really from her side yeah so that's that's kind of cool too like it's definitely a, a recommend watch for me is the show like completely finished or is are they going to make more seasons um i don't know if they're going to make more seasons but this one wrapped it up nicely so if they don't make more seasons like there's no cliffhanger at the end you're just kind of like oh okay because it's more like a even though like there's like a main focus of it it's it's uh kind of like slice of life as well yeah so like and you're not like dang what's gonna happen next like no yeah they definitely left it open for the possibility of a next season um, and I really hope it does get renewed, but it's not. Yeah, it, it's wrapped up um, that kind of arc, and it's not like Dead Man's World or whatever that anime was, where they just like left on this huge cliffhanger, and they just decided never to make another episode. Oh, Dead Dead Man's Wonderland. Yes, Dead yeah. Man's Wonderland. That was so upsetting. <sighs> yes. <laughs> and the last show I want to talk about is uh, Wednesday on Netflix, which I watched and. I kind of went through a roller coaster of how I feel about it. While I was watching it, I was really enjoying it. And then when I finished, I was like, I'm slightly disappointed. I feel like it could have been better. Oh, man. I I don't know if I want to watch it. And then I was like, but actually, it's really good. I think the reason I'm disappointed is because it feels a lot like The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Okay. That did not sound like a good endorsement. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which I, I love the chilling adventures of Sabrina, but it felt too much like that. And I don't think they gave Wednesday enough Wednesday. Wednesday was very Wednesday, but I just feel like they could have there could have been a bit more 
Wednesday in there. <laughs> Especially towards mm. the end. And it just followed some like stereotypical teen magic tropes. I'm like, come on, this is the Adams family we're talking about. You can literally do so much. <laughs> um, and that's why I was disappointed. But it was a really good show. I just, yeah, I think that's where the d- disappointment came from was like, he didn't give it the chance to be its own show in its own right without being like a show you've already made. Hmm. How many see. episodes are there, by the way? Oh, I have no idea because I binged it. Uh, <laughs> binge every, yeah, I binge everything. Just want to premise, I've been ill this week. That's all I've done. How long did it take you to binge it? Also, um, a great question to ask someone with a better concept of time. <laughs> it's, it's eight episodes and each one is about 50 minutes okay yeah i don't know if i'm gonna watch it especially even though you're like you're like it's good but i never i didn't watch sabrina the teenage witch because i thought it was weird um which i know a lot of people really liked but i grew up with the other sabrina and even though they had the other sabrina endorse it i was just like i just feel like they're putting drama in it for drama's sake do you know what i mean like children adventures of sabrina was so good Oh my god. I also I, I love the original Sabrina to the point that I went back and like binged that recently. Um I might check it, it out. Good. But um, I don't know. I maybe just go straight to Wednesday those. then. If you um, see, I'm not excited about Wednesday either. <laughs> so Are you a fan of the Adams family? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, think you should watch it. Just don't but I feel like that's why I'm afraid to watch things that I, I'm a huge fan of. Like that, I already have previous feelings about, but I might check it out. I no, might. I think you should. I think you should give it a chance if you like the Adams family. Um, it's. I might. It is, if it's a bunch of teen angst stuff, I don't care. Like, if that's what it's going to be, and she's just dealing with teenage angst in co- uh, high school or school, I'm I'm gonna like check out really quickly. I mean, is she is, is, but she's also dealing with a lot of other stuff at the same time. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it two episodes to see if I'm really interested. And if you genuinely like, like Wednesday as a character, the concept of Wednesday, you, I, no, think I do. Like I the, absolutely the moodiness her. and the like, her own world and the like dark. Okay. I, I will I, I will definitely look at it. I wish they would have done like a version of her like older so we could see like what happened after the Adams family. Like that would have mm. been so cool to me. I feel like this is where they want to go with it. Mm. It feels like to me that they want this to be like quite like they want it to, to have quite a few seasons um, and be like as popular as um or at least maybe not as popular. But um, like cashing on that like Stranger Things level of series. Okay, yeah, because I was like Sabrina ended after like what two, three seasons? Uh, Wasn't on that long. Three. Is it three? I think it's three. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Nigel, what what are your stories? Uh, singular story. There's okay. only one. <laughs> uh, I'm only here <laughs> to talk about one story, story, and it's God of War Ragnarok. So uh, I mean, uh, anyone could have guessed that. Yeah, you knew this is coming. <laughs> I feel I feel like I telegraphed this uh, many many episodes uh, ago. Um, I have God of War Ragnarok. I'm playing God of War Ragnarok, <gasps> and uh, life is good. Nice. <laughs> I want to play it. Yeah, I actually have uh, I have two copies because I managed to get the collector's <laughs> edition, but not before giving up 
and then pre-ordering a regular edition and then getting uh, a surprise when more collector's editions became available bought pretty much maxed out the credit card i, I went to the limit um but it's here i've got it uh, and i'm looking nice. at it right now so uh i have if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time you know that i really like this game i uh, think god of war the remake for ps4 2018 is arguably the best game ever made uh, i will put that forward yeah so really excited so i'm pretty early in this and it's just it's really great to be back in this world one of the reasons why i really like this game is just the way well number one the way they have reinvented the character kratos which i genuinely think is one of the best character reinventions there has been because i played so i've only played god of war 3 uh, prior to the new remake and it was a cool game i enjoyed it and i was expecting that but what they've done is is just created a character that has so much depth and a story that has sort of nuance and depth and as much as it is about just killing enemies and as satisfying as the mechanics of are the 2018 game is a story about a man becoming a father or, or better father uh, to right. his son and the way they've they've woven that in within the mechanics and told that story is is just excellent it's just uh, an amazing amazing feat so with god of war ragnarok it kind of takes place after well, obviously after the events but specifically after what happens in the the first game and uh, to cause the events uh, of ragnarok so you've got almost like a, a consequence of what happens in the first game and it seems like they're dealing with the consequence uh, leading up to this and they've brought in or more characters so in the trailer they showed like thor and his hammer odin is there and the the way they've written written the scenes just filled with tension tension that is then released by just smashing uh, enemies with your your axe or blades of of chaos and then the relationship between kratos and atreus is taken on a bit further because atreus is now older and i'm not sure how i feel about teen atreus i feel like he'll annoy me he hasn't yet but I feel like uh, <laughs> teenager Atreus will just become annoying, but we'll see. But just the idea of Atreus becoming older, having more agency in where what he wants to do, and what he wants to do is find out like who he is. I like in the first game discovering that his background, Kratos' background. Now he wants to; he's more curious, and Kratos being a dad who is protective of his son and almost like overly protective like he, he's struggling to let atreus be his own person or become his own person so seeing that dynamic and then like the characters that they meet along the way so that's part of the reason and then the other reason is just the mechanics it's just such a satisfying game to play and there's few games i play that I'd like just this satisfying the mechanics when you're dealing like blows with his uh with his axe when you can you can throw it and then you can call it back the blades of chaos the way that that feels is just such a satisfying game like they've got the mechanics down so well whether this will be on the same level as the first game i feel it's trending in that direction but it's one of those things where once you've done it once in the first game it's hard to recapture that exactly but i feel like they are giving it a very good go so i'm super satisfied so far and i will stop talking otherwise i'll turn this into a nigel reacts to god of war uh, <laughs> uh, podcast yeah it's pretty good it's pretty good nice i definitely want to play it i haven't had a chance to yet um so put I'm your life on hold spoilers. and get this game <laughs> no. i mean i want to but then like matt already got a copy of it and then he got like i was so mad so salty because he got like um a pr box for it 
oh, from yes. yeah from Canada. No, they Canada only does it for people in Canada. <laughs> so <laughs> it just it doesn't matter. But I was just like, you should have told me you got that. Because like God of War is my game. I love it. The narrative design is incredible. And I wanted to pull on the thing that you said about like him being overprotective of his son, which mm. I think is a really nice touch because he lost his daughter and his wife in the previous games. So yeah, they they did a really good job. So Yeah. So I feel that over the journey, I mean there's like mad stuff happening, but You've got this, yeah. This father just uh, trying to learn for to let his son be his own person, and he hasn't called him boy yet as well. So I feel that's a mark of respect. Oh, I'm so. surprised. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's no, one of my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's he's aged out of that now, so it's like <laughs> preteen or whatever. I don't know. So yeah, those are some of the stories that we have been enjoying. Uh, now let's get to the main story discussion. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, the 2022 comic book film based on the Marvel comic character Black Panther. It's the sequel to Black Panther and the 30th, we are uh, hitting 30, the 30th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, directed by Ryan Coogler, who co-wrote the screenplay with Joe Robert Cole. The film stars Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, and Angela Bassett, among many others that we will get to. So, spoiler alert, we're now into the spoiler field portion of the show we're going to be talking about uh, all the details uh, that we have time for uh, i will recap the story but first let's get everyone's quick take general impressions of this film so we'll start with dylan dylan what did you think about this film uh it's uh it's a thumbs up from me i don't think it was a perfect film um but i really had a blast with it it was um i cried like four times during the runtime <laughs> got very emotional like just from the very first scene, you're 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 straight in, and I think like big congrats to Ryan Coogler because I don't think anyone could have pulled it off like like he did. I think he was definitely the best person to to take this film forward, and just everyone involved involved with the project. I I just feel like there was such a, a such a sincerity to it that it is um you don't find with a lot of other MCU films. So yeah, definitely an entry in the MCU that of course for obvious reasons is f feels very very different and um yeah I, I really had a blast with it okay destiny what did you think um I loved it I think that he basically did what he felt was right to honor Chadwick I felt that like the entire team of actors and and people behind the scenes supported that um, I never lost faith in how he would handle this subject just because I think the first Panther was done so well story-wise. Okay, so like the fight scene with the 3D was terrible. And I still feel <laughs> that way. And I'm still upset with Disney, but we won't talk about that. Anyways. Mm, we might. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, okay, let me just like quick little side. I feel like if you can produce movies like frozen where they look lifelike right there's absolutely no reason why these fight scenes should still be on the same level years later right because it's been five years so you cannot tell me that like you haven't updated your system or the way you're working your <laughs> mechanics so um yeah i don't think any character should look 3d in that film obviously like if avatar can do it you guys should be able to do it but anyways um I just thought it was really incredible. I also cried a few times in the film. 
And I know people are saying, well, it wasn't as good as the first Black Panther, but it's not supposed to be the same as the first Black Panther, right? Mm. Because like we've lost like our king. We've we've lost the main character. This is us trying to salvage what we could with like while paying respect to him and while continuing the story. And I feel like that he did an impeccable job doing that. Yeah, it's a tough challenge. And uh, Tazzy, I mean, are you, I'm trying to track the, is Tazzy on the MCU bus or not? Uh, she had a station, she got tickets still. <laughs> uh, what did you think about this film? I loved this film so much. And of course, yeah, I also did cry. Though I don't seem to have made it through as much of the film before crying as everyone, because I was literally crying <laughs> at the uh, Marvel like intro thing. Mm-hmm. And I was already in tears. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, I fully well was like prepared. Like I'm gonna I was like, I'm gonna cry in this film because like I know it's going to it's going to honor Chadwick Boseman and it's gonna it's not gonna be a film that goes by without acknowledging what he's done for the character and like the MCU in general because it just it done a lot right so I knew I was gonna cry I knew I was gonna cry and I, I knew that was gonna happen I had full faith that <laughs> it was it was gonna hit the feels but I, I like the the feeling that I got when I watched this was man this is our time like and by our time I mean like young women Mm-hmm. of color because it this along with like Ms. Marvel and even She-Hulk just gives like oh my god we can be like superheroes in our own right without without it being about men <laughs> mm, yeah. and like just what we are in society to men it was like I don't know it just that's just a sense that I felt at so many points during this because i think shuri's story was just so strong and powerful and like riri and then just all of just the relationships in this and how people were dealing with their feelings and how people were dealing with their roles in in like in the society and yeah man i just like it it just made me feel really powerful cool We're, we're back on the bus we're back on a bus, but I feel like it's going to be like a, I'm on, I'm off. I'm yeah, on. this is one of those hop on, hop off buses. <laughs> <I'm off. that laughs> I definitely feel like I'm not going in for like every MCU movie. Uh, it yeah. will just be like the ones you forced me to watch and yep. <laughs> the ones that I generally am looking forward to or that like catch my eye. Okay. All right. Well, at least this one you're, you're glad I forced you to watch. So yeah. um, we're, we're, we're up. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I, uh, yeah, I, I, re- I love this film. I, I love this film despite some of its flaws and I'm going to have to do this, the story thing and then talk about some of the things. So let me just do a deposit is that because this is, like I was Ryan Coogler, this is such a difficult challenge and I don't want to like excuse some of the, like the story, the narrative issues that I saw, but this is a really difficult task because Chadwick Boseman died. Like there was a film in place and then your main actor dies for real dies and you have to one decide to even do anything at all and i think um he mentioned like you know not wanting to even like do a film and then how do you approach this film where you you have to take out the the main character because of a real life death it's it's a really hard challenge to do and i think was already mentioned like 
Ryan Google is the guy to do it because he, I think, I felt he did the best that could be done. Because you've got uh, the practicalities of of just making the film, but then satisfying the Marvel machine, and we'll, we'll talk about that, and then satisfying audiences, and particularly largely black or def- definitely ethnic diverse um, audiences that put a lot of stock into this film, especially after what was I felt an amazing first entry in, in Black Panther, and I, I felt he did as well as could be done. I, I just yeah, I really enjoyed really enjoyed this film. It just tackled the idea of grief, I would say, from the very start, just head on. But it didn't necessarily let the whole film, well, like in my impression, didn't let the whole film be bogged down by it. There was yeah. catharsis. So you got to the end and there was like, at least there was, there was some release. And like I felt maybe like that the actors even like going through that um, as well. Yeah, I, I just think it, I just think it's great. <laughs> and I'm definitely glad. I think, as Tazzy mentioned as well, just that, I didn't even consciously think of it as I was watching. It was only afterwards, like, just prominent women, like, from protagonist all the way down, uh, and just seeing, like, different types of, of women in this in this story. And, and yeah, they, they everyone did great, I think. So, yeah, definitely, like, looking forward to chatting it. And, I, like I said, I will do the, the story thing and, and picking out folks and stuff. But I felt it was great. So you've got that. All right, let me recap, and then we'll get into the details. So... This is a story that takes us back to Wakanda, where King T'Challa is dying from an illness that his sister Shuri believes can be cured by the heart-shaped herb. But she fails in her attempts to synthetically recreate the herb after it was destroyed by Killmonger before T'Challa succumbs. One year later, Wakanda is under pressure from other nations to share their vibranium, or have it taken by force in some cases. Over the Atlantic Ocean, the CIA and US Navy SEALs use a vibranium-detecting machine, but are attacked and killed by a group of blue-skinned, water-breathing superhumans led by Namor. Namor soon confronts Ramonda and Shuri, giving them an ultimatum, deliver him the scientist responsible for the vibranium-detecting machine, or he will attack Wakanda. Shuri and Okoye learn that the scientist is MIT student Riri Williams and heads to the university to collect her. Uh, the group are chased by FBI and then Namor's warriors who defeat Okoye and take Shuri and Riri back to Namor. An angered Ramonda strips Okoye of her title as General of the Dora Milaje and seeks out Nakia who has been living in Haiti. Namor gives Shuri a history lesson about the vibranium-rich underwater kingdom of Talukan before Nakia helps Shuri and Riri escape. And Namor retaliates with an attack against Wakanda that causes the death of Queen Ramonda. Meanwhile, Everett Ross is arrested by CIA director Valentina Allegra de Fontaine for secretly exchanging classified information with the Wakandans. After Ramonda's funeral, Shuri is able to reconstruct the heart-shaped herb she ingests it and meets Killmonger in the ancestral plane who urges her to seek revenge. Shuri then becomes the new Black Panther and is determined to get vengeance on Namor for her mother's death, ordering an immediate attack on Talukan. The Wakandas lure Namor and his warriors to the surface and Shuri is able to trap Namor in a fighter aircraft. The pair crash on a desert beach and fight. As Shuri gets the upper hand, she realizes the similarities in their path of vengeance and calls on Namor to yield, offering him a peaceful alliance. Namor eventually accepts, and the battle ends. Riri is returned to MIT, leaving her Iron Man-like suit behind, while Okoye rescues Ross from captivity. Shuri plants more heart-shaped herbs to ensure the future of the Black Panther mantle, 
In Shuri's absence, M'Baku steps forward to challenge for the throne. Shuri visits Nakia in Haiti, where she burns her funeral ceremonial robes in accordance with Ramonda's wishes, allowing herself to finally grieve T'Challa. And in the mid-credit scene, Shuri learns that Nakia and T'Challa had a son, also named T'Challa, who Nakia has been raising in secret. The end. So, I mean, you know, let's just go straight for the, uh, as they started with the film, addressing the elephant of the room. As I mentioned, Ryan Coogler already had a script before Chadwick, po- uh, Chadwick Boseman's, that really unfortunate and, and timely death, because he was like 42 or something. Yeah, I think he was 43. Yeah. 40, yeah, that's mad. And so the film starts with the death of King T'Challa from an undisclosed illness he kept hidden from the world, much like Bozeman had uh, cancer and didn't make that widely known. And then you see a funeral take place all across Wakanda. So I almost want to, there's sort of two versions of this question. Does the film work, full stop? But let's start with, does the film work as a tribute to Chadwick and the Black Panther? Uh, Des, what do you what do you think? I think it does. I, I think um, just circling back to what you said, it was really done beautifully. Like they they just hit you with it right in the beginning, which I was not expecting. I knew at some point they were gonna do something, mm. but I didn't know that they were like, all right, we're gonna hit you with this to kind of and this sounds bad, to get it over with, but like that's almost how it felt. Like let's pay our respects first and then yeah. move on with the rest of the movie. I think what hurt the most was that like he died of an illness that seemed like it was cancer. <laughs> And I wasn't prepared for that in the movie. Um, I didn't know how they were going to actually address how he died in the movie. I, for some reason, thought like he might have died in battle or something like that. But like, yeah, that hit really close to home. But I think for the the tribute to Chadwick, it, it was done really well. And it didn't bog down the whole film. Like as I was watching it, there were moments where I didn't even think about Chadwick's not here. You know, like I was just like very engrossed in the story itself, wanting to see like what was going to happen and who was going to step up to be the new Black Panther. So I think um, he did an incredible job because it wasn't sad the whole way through, but there was enough moments where it was just like, like the beginning and the end, I felt like it came full circle, right? So like she's unable to let him go. And I think a lot of people just to mirror that were, it was really hard for them to let go of the idea of Black Panther not being a male and why they didn't recast him. Yeah. So I just felt like there was a lot of mirroring in that where she couldn't let go of him and she felt like like he's the only one who could be Black Panther. Like she couldn't do that. She didn't want to step into that role, right? Mm. And then at the end, I think Ryan Coogler wrote that in for him to have had a son to appease people who were like, we can't let it end with T'Challa just being gone. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that was his way to kind of appease those people. So they'd like, like, shut the hell up. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm sorry, I cursed. But you know what I mean? Like, just be like, look, we're not ending it here. We we have a new king and he's going to grow up to be. And like, that's kind of how they, you know, so I don't know. I think he did. I I think he did a great job, honestly. Okay. I mean, like you you mentioned that decision not to recast uh, T'Challa. Like I did. And I don't know how you, you felt about that, but there was like a big, you know, how can you not do this? Or some people saying, you know, you shouldn't do it. Like, I don't know, how, how did you feel at the time? Do you feel any different now seeing the film? I I think, like, in the first place, I, I think it's going to be impossible to, you know, please everyone. It's it's, it's yeah, essentially yeah. an impossible task. I personally um, 
it was very much the same as I think all of you guys. Like I hadn't, I had no idea how they were gonna, you know, address the situation, and I, I didn't know how how far into the film that they were gonna do this. Were they gonna do it right at the start? And when they did, you know, um, w- w- like it, you using that um, and sort of using the theme of grief throughout this film, I think is was was really really powerful and like you said there's like uh everything sort of just comes full circle in the end uh with regards to recasting i think that they definitely did the right call here they definitely made the right decision by putting by giving the black panther mantle to uh shuri i think to recast um at this point it would be it it, it would just be way too soon it would feel weird exactly yeah yeah, to to do that and the thing about recasting is like when you have someone like chadwick boseman as as black panther and how uh, how powerful and how how iconic um he made he made that character he made that role um very much his own i think the first thing i think everyone should should acknowledge is there won't be a black panther like chadwick if anyway if they're gonna be if there's gonna be a recasting you know it's gonna have to be a different somewhat of a different take on the character you know um almost like a similar situation with with captain america going on in the mcu you know like um chris evans has left the role and he's steve rogers now you have anthony mackie as um sam wilson taking on the mantle Mm -hmm. and people are you know bugged out about that but what they got to understand is they're they're completely different characters, they're completely different takes. They're not trying to replicate the same thing. So with the whole recasting, I thought it was beautifully done with um how they how they revealed that he has a son at the end and his name was also T'Challa. Honestly, like that I thought that was beautiful. Just that whole mid credit scene. And I'm so happy that the mid credit scene was uh, very much tied into the film itself. It almost felt like it should have been part of the of of the film. It didn't feel like a yeah, bit it just continued like, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't trying to you know set up another you know project or something, but instead it really sort of um, uh, it, it was such a touching way to you know continue the, the the legacy of the character and continue you know Chadwick uh, Chadwick's legacy moving forward. So so yeah, I I definitely think that they 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 did the best that they could, and I thought like. Ryan Coogler and and the entire team and the creators definitely definitely made the right call here for sure. Have to like just comment on that, like feeling like it was part of the whole, uh, just like part of the film with the end credits. Mm. I actually took like I felt like this is just to do with how they put it together, but we sort of get the credits start rolling. But I think they it was such powerfully made credits those that first section of credits. Like I went to see it with a friend and they were like talking and I was like, I'm just trying to take this in because the music is very moving <laughs> and like, I'm just trying to absorb it. And that the way they done the credits before the um, mid credit uh, scene was like, as if it, no, this is part of the film. These credits mm-hmm. are part of the film. Cause like, just, oh, I don't know. They were, they were so well made. <laughs> I feel like yeah. people don't take enough time to appreciate well-made credits. credits. <laughs> They're like entertaining, like that sit, make you feel like you can sit there and watch them. And yeah, then obviously fun. like going into that. Mm. Is Yeah, it's like, um, I, I feel that because it's, it's a difficult thing to like recast so soon after something like this. And like Chadwick Boseman like made himself the Black Panther, like in the same way, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. He just made that role and, um, Chris Evans like 
eventually, I mean, he had some uh, he had some misses <laughs> before he got to Captain America. But you know, he got, yeah, he was uh, yeah, 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 he got he got there, he got there. Uh, he yeah. kind of made that, and he embodied the character, or like this version uh, of the character. And Chadwick Bob was so cool. It's like when he showed up in Civil War, it's like, who is this guy? And then yeah. he like delivered in in Black Panther. So yeah, the idea of now we're just going to swap someone else in. Now, you know, eventually they'll recast. This isn't like mm-hmm. a Michael Jordan kind of retired a jersey uh, right. kind of thing. I think we understand that at some point. But I think in the context and, and yeah, so soon, it, I felt they've taken the, the right decision mm-hmm. by a difficult one to do. Because how do you make a film that you've already done and then take out the main character and still right. make the film? It's yeah. a difficult decision. I feel like, yeah, like I, I just have to agree. It is the right decision. I feel like if they had recast T'Challa, then I think it would have just been like so disrespectful. Yes, that's like, what I wanted to say. Like it would just be straight up disrespectful. And yeah. not only that, I think what people don't understand is like, because you have a bunch of people griping and be like, oh, how many times have they recast Superman? And how many times have they recast Batman? That was literally after like, a set director had directed his vision and then and someone else picked up the story, yeah. completed it and somebody else picked up the story. And this yeah. or in Spider-Man's case canceled it. <laughs> this, exactly. Like this wasn't like, oh, like an actor decided that they no longer want to play that role or uh, whatever. Like this is this is the person that had like created a legacy out of this character has died. Like yeah put some respect there and i feel like this movie did exactly that like put the respect there and like even gave you the the opportunity to like mourn that loss and also recognize the legacy that chadwick left with and it's like it's bigger than it's bigger than just black panther it's like on the mcu this is such a powerful like chadwick's black panther was such a powerful stamp on the mcu and and a like even for a the statement community. to the black community yeah yes. like you do belong here you have every right to be here like it brought in audiences that have never really felt welcome in the mcu like or or felt the appeal to go and watch you know that's because they've always fly been around. white <laughs> to be honest with you like all the movies has, have always starred like white people or um mixed biracial people which is not that's not the issue the issue is that there are so many characters in the mcu that we've not given screen time to Mm. so like having black panther was so huge because not only is he like a representation for like he was created in america right by by two Mm. like i think a jewish guy or something like that i can't remember who exactly created him but like it also takes place with an extremely it's it steps away from terrible stereotypes that people mm. still believe in today. You have mm-hmm. this well-educated leader. Um, you have this country that is like worlds beyond. Everybody's coming to Wakanda for things because like they're so far advanced. And I think it's just really nice as a black person to like see this movie. I got to see the first one um, before it hit theaters because they did part of the filming in Busan and they had like a two week early special showing. And I remember uh-huh. being like the only black person like in the theater. <laughs> what? And, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's weird. It was it was super weird. <laughs> um, but I remember walking out of there and being so proud of us mm. just as a people. Like 
in general, no matter if we're from like the motherland, no matter if we're from Haiti, no matter if we're from like Jamaica, like just being like, just being like, look at what we could do. Look mm-hmm. at us up there shining and like doing it on our own without needing like a white co-star to lift us up for <laughs> Hollywood. Like th- these things were very important to me. And mm-hmm. I wanted to say they continued that in this second movie. Like there are no big name white co-stars in here. They are letter- they're literally letting the black actors hold up their own film. And it just blew people out of the water the first time. And I really feel like this one is also going to just really touch people in a way that they didn't expect. Will I be able to watch it again? I don't know. I feel like this is one of the films that I can only see once because it's really painful to watch. Okay, yeah. But like for the support, I I saw the first one like several times. Like I was putting (laughs) money down all the time. (laughs) But I don't know if I can do that with this one. But I, that doesn't mean it wasn't a well-made film. It doesn't mean I don't appreciate like where, what they did. And it just makes me sad that this is what had to happen to have like such a powerful cast of women lead mm. a movie. Not to say that Woman King isn't great. It, but this podcast is not about that. But if you do want to see that, please I go check it out. That. Yeah, that's my list of, of to watch. Yeah, I've got to see that. Yeah, like I just couldn't, couldn't agree more with you. It really is. And, it, and like you said, it's that it's it's the culture that's brought in through this film as well and even so you know with the first one we we went into what does it look like being black in Wakanda versus being black anywhere else in the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then this is more focused in Wakanda but we still obviously we get to see Riri and we get to see the impact of like Wakanda being public has made on on Riri's life like her reaction like when she's approached like am I getting recruited oh my god like so excited (laughs) like this great like this great African nation like my people like I feel accepted I feel like my intelligence is going to be recognized um and she was also talked about you know that that her profession didn't think she could do it and she's like watch me (laughs) (laughs) um and like I just all of that, all of that, that influence, and oh my god, the scene when they're like right at the beginning, where I feel like I'm just going like I'm fast forwarding through the podcast. <laughs> but this scene right at the like right near the beginning, where they're having like the conference with the world leaders. Oh. Angela Bassett like just like threw down yes (laughs) like literally like oh my god and like I mean just her walking in was Mm. like damn like literal queen (laughs) like bringing the power like with every footstep and then she sits down she doesn't even talk and I'm already impressed like (laughs) I'm already like it's gonna be handed to you like right now (laughs) this is the you just got the look you didn't even get beat you just got the look (laughs) and got put in your place and then like just delivers 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 I was like this power like Mm. I have oh a question. My God. Did you guys expect her to die? Because I no. I bawled like somebody in my family died. <laughs> like I was not ready and I was so upset. I was, oh my God. Watching Nikoye try to bring her back, I was yeah. just oh like, my oh, oh my God, what I mean, is happening? 
was yeah. so heartbreaking. And like when I was watching that scene, all I could do was like replay what Shuri had said to Neymar about watching like her brother oh, die, yeah, having the intelligence there. and not being able to save him. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh my God. And she's just had to do it again. Like she's literally twice. That is like your your brother and then your like your mom. Like, nah. That and as well, I was just sitting there like, Namor, you think that that's gonna convince her to be on your side? Yeah. <laughs> how naive. You've been along yeah, you've been alive for how long and you think that's going to convince someone? Nah, like <laughs> I'm coming for your head. I'm back in yeah, Thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> that's how I felt, and then I felt bad at the end because I realized like the overall message was like we need to get along as uh minorities. As people, yeah. Like we need to yeah. like but I wanted him dead. Listen, I was like, take his head. <laughs> please <laughs> i was there and i was like yeah the right thing to do is like we've got to all stick together like we shouldn't be fine but, <laughs> yeah. but, no, but i don't know what the right thing is to do because <laughs> you know what she's been through yeah and you you done that like and the then audacity. looked at her face and then looked her dead in her eye like, i was like nah you're tripping yes <laughs> I want to come to the that that third act and all the things around there. But what I also want to do is give um because it's been very positive so far. So uh, allow me to I'll, I'll try and do this like a positivity sandwich, and in the middle there's some uh, negative nitpicking. But let me first put in this quote because sometimes I like to pull quotes, especially from people who did not agree with my my own view. And uh, I've got a quote from an article. Uh, a, uh, a review, like a whole one out of five star review from Robbie Collin at the Telegraph, which is a UK British newspaper. Your own opinion, even if it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know, just let me throw this out to the audience. See, and the second reason I want to do it is because me reading out his statement will make my nitpicks seem way less critical. So there's also some <laughs> self interest uh, in there as well. But uh, so <laughs> Robbie says that this film has, and I quote, sadly begat one of the drabbest, stalest, most incoherent sequels, a near three hour endurance run of gloomy photography and turgidly staged, emotionally empty two way conversations. I assume all conversations are two way, but anyway, all seemingly designed to sap cast and viewers' combined will to live. Only Lupita Nyongo and Winston Duke, whose avuncular, uh, I'm going to have to look that word up, um, mountain tribe chief and <laughs> Baku makes a welcome return, actually feel like human beings. Elsewhere, it's drainingly apparent we're just watching the nth round of chess pieces being rearranged. Like Namor with his dinky ankle wings, this franchise has become <laughs> super heroically adept at treading water. Uh, if we watch the same film, I feel like we watch different films. It it almost feels like we watch different, except for the dinky <laughs> yeah, things yeah, on his yeah. ankles. I I made jokes. I'm not, I'm not yeah. gonna lie. So I mean, I'm not going to ask. Do you agree with this? I'm not going to uh, waste time on that. But do you think there's um? I almost this is like a black versus white kind of thing. But is this like a different? Just oh, clearly had a different perspective on the film, and I feel there are things in there that uh, I'm going to sort of bring up that there's some kind of point. But he clearly did not like this. And like you said, it's like he's watching a different film. So what do you think is is the disconnect here between uh, what Robbie seems to have taken from this and what uh, we've just been taking from this? Um, like, the story's uh, not about him or anyone <laughs> that he knows. Therefore, it must not be good. That's like, like do you know what? It's the same argument I threw at She-Hulk. I was going to say, people I like we've, talking we've down at She-Hulk. Yeah. Because it's not their story. Therefore, it is bad. Like... 
it's not a story that resonates with you because there are so many like okay let's strip away the like let's put the characters as like just blank faces they're just blank they they've got no race no gender no like they're just blank this film was a good film there were fight scenes that was like <laughs> i like that was your first thing it was a good film there were fight scenes yes <laughs> check, check. <laughs> like especially if we're going for like marvel they were like catastrophic city destroying events occurred mm-hmm. there were human emotion like points that everyone can relate to okay, yep loss grief loss grief exactly yep. there was the threat of of like Impending multiple game. nations yep. and then mm-hmm. an even who doesn't worse, like a world war who doesn't who doesn't <laughs> like and then an even bigger threat like this is this is marvel like basic material like yes. this is what makes a marvel, marvel film yeah like absolutely. all the ingredients are there yeah all of the ingredients are there do you know what but then they made it better because they added more like more kind of heart Heart. Yeah. yeah that's the word i'm looking for they added more culture they added like well-placed humor and they added honor and like a, a, a legacy yeah and so, also I mean, like, created new like spaces for like someone else to take over the mantle like this was a good movie with in its own right without associating chadwick's legacy to it I think he was one of those people who just wanted Black Panther to be recasted. Like, I feel like just listening. (laughs) Hashtag not my Black Panther. Yeah. I can tell that that's what he's upset about. Right. Yeah. And just a lot of people are upset about that. A lot of people don't want to give their due flowers to the fact that it it really was a, it's the first, well, not the first, but yeah, no, I'm going to say it's the first. It's the first (laughs) MCU movie that's led by a group of women. Right. Like hands down, ev- everyone who's doing like some major like kick butt stuff. They, he even played down M'Baku. And I don't know if you guys noticed that, but M'Baku got yeah. punched in his chest. And I <laughs> I lost my breath with him because yeah. I did not expect. Well, I felt that. <laughs> I, I love M'Baku, like, it's his reaction to it as well. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, no, I'm, Yo, I'm good. I'm good. I'm why was he the rest of the movie? It felt like he was like, I don't know, they call him God. Like, and yeah. he punched me yeah. in my head. I don't know. <laughs> like, him like my that. ego has been damaged. Like, <laughs> like, Papa. Dylan, like, is there anything in that, like, well, uh, well-worded, uh, I'll give it that, um, argument <laughs> against the film? Do you think there's any areas where the film could have improved? If not, I'm going to throw a couple in there. I feel like personally, I think like one of the things uh, I wasn't the biggest fan on was the whole U.S. Uh, military subplot. Uh, I don't know if that added the most to the film. Let's just say that um, I do like Martin Freeman as um, Agent Ross, and of course he was, yeah, he was he was quite a big part of the first film. So I mean, it, it did. Yeah. I, I think it did make sense that he was in this film. But the whole, you know, um, Julia Louis uh, Louis Dreyfus's. Oh yes. Yeah. <sighs> I she's good too thought, i guess it's just the, the placement of it in the story yeah yeah she's good in the right i like her as an actress um but i just I like whenever it went back to that subplot i just felt like a huge sort of disconnect with mm. the film that you know we, we came to watch and and, and I, I know that's setting up like i think it's setting up th- uh, thunderbolts um, thunderbolts yeah so i i i just felt like that in particular it, it almost felt like ryan coogler and co had sort of 
wrote the script and then you know disney or marvel you know had to come over to them and say hey we need to include this as well because we had to set this up and um we had to sort of uh, include a little more comic relief here for all the kids and stuff like that but um mm. so yeah that that was that was the the main sort of subplot that didn't entirely feel natural i guess when as naturally existing yeah i, I felt that watching and because and, i think in black panther ryan coogler did what I think is so far the, the best job of just doing a self-contained MCU story where Absolutely. for the that period of that film, I didn't care about what was being set up or anything. And you saw like even uh, like my, I think my sister went to see this film. She does not know or care about <laughs> any of the MCU stuff, but you could just watch it. Just people who weren't into MCU could, could watch it and just take it as a film. Whereas here I felt, I wouldn't say too much that it spoiled the film because, as I said at the top, really love this film. But <laughs> I could see it more. I could see the the machinations of the the Marvel machine where you have to yeah. uh, introduce like people to link to the Thunderbolts and uh, Riri Williams. As much as I loved the existence of the character, I felt a uh, a similarity to um, America Chavez in Doctor Strange and uh, Multiverse ah. of Madness, where what essentially she was is a human MacGuffin there because there's going to be a, a series. So it meant we didn't. Well, I felt we didn't get we didn't get as much of her character as we could have. She just felt like yeah. she was mm. there to further the plot rather than seeing mm. more of her character and, and her background because we're going to see it. Like I know we're going to see it, but. It, it felt like this film was slightly lesser for it, but those are the, the couple of things that stood out to me. I yeah. will say that there was actually something that I saw that upset me. Okay. Just because <laughs> I feel like if I ever have a negative opinion, I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time. Okay. This is the space. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, this is the negative opinion space. So I'll bring it up. The end fight scene with uh, Shuri and Namor. Um, mm-hmm. Shuri in her amazingly like designed Black Panther costume, but oh my god! Like I'm not someone that normally notices like really bad CGI, but oh, it was so bad. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> it was atrocious. Like for it me to notice it, it was a next level bad. Like <sighs> I don't know why. There's it's no there. excuse for it. There's absolutely no excuse for it. Like they and from what I've been told, they're. Disney's only putting money into the same studios who have done the fights over and over and over again. So they're not updating how they do the fights, which is why all of the fights look so janky and like not like real people. Like it looks worse than it would in a video game. And that's a problem for me. That is a problem. And it was like, there was a scene, there was like a point in that scene where she's just walking towards him. And then it's got all like the CGI. So it just makes her look really weird. And I'm like, why did you not just have a just walking just without all of this cgi Mm. that makes it Mm. look and for me this is the problem of like because we're getting a lot of marvel stuff like film tv and i just feel when you're at that scale it it is a quantity over quality problem because when you're doing so much you have to standardize it like you you can't treat like each entry each film each show as its own like art house mm-hmm. <laughs> project like kind of, you, you have to standardize it's like you know there's not a, a chef in the back of mcdonald's like <laughs> making the, like <laughs> handcrafting the burgers and uh, fermenting <laughs> the cheese and all that it's like there's a there's a process and, and you yeah. can replicate the process across the world 
I feel Marvel Disney are at that point, and the films are they need a new process. They need yeah, yeah, a new yeah. standard it was, process. It was next level we'll bad. It was like yeah. Domino's redid their whole pizza dough thing because it was bad. So <laughs> I definitely Domino's. think, yeah, I definitely <laughs> think they could. Yeah. I think it's a time thing as well. It's like they they have schedules and deadlines. These yeah, you, you just can't do mm-hmm. all this. You have to you have to exactly. find shortcuts. Right, like the thing is, there's been there's actually been great CGI in a lot of Marvel films. Like, just look at Thanos, like all the motion capture stuff with that. That that's like brilliant. But then also you get like CGI that is clearly unfinished. Like, uh, like the first Black Panther film, the third act, right when uh, T'Challa and Killmonger are fighting. Oh, the Obviously, fight. like, like the fight looks it's like so unfinished with that. And like, I just think it's like the trade-off with having the mcu like they have all these deadlines and schedules for when you know they need their films to be released and it puts a lot of pressure on the vfx artists to you know get like they they work tirelessly at this and then you know they have just like one person who comes and says okay yep that's that's good enough now we just need to get it like released essentially and then move on to the next one so I so, just yeah, I just don't think it was needed at all in that like in parts of those scenes they could have just filmed them. How about yeah. we try that? Yeah, for sure. I mean a part of me agrees with you, but also a part of me is like they schedule these these things out like mm. years ahead of, before we even know. Like there's time to like go in and like make sure your process looks good. They just don't want to put the money into it, and that's really what it is. It's not the fact that like people are just overworked it's that like they don't want to put the money into hiring other um studios to do it because there are studios out there who could do it but they're going to charge you more because they're going to give you a quality product and that's i feel like that's what it boils down to at the end because disney will put money on certain things and not on other things mm-hmm. yeah just a weird place and i feel the answer is do less but we're not going to get less so until yeah <laughs> the box office receipts say otherwise i mean they've been like reusing just disney animations for oh yeah the dance scenes the water (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you know what nobody ever looks at the water and they're like man that looks like some terribly animated water like do you know what i'm saying like yeah use it over because it's quality yeah Yeah, it it was was done done well well, so like yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is them like using trash (laughs) and like trying to recycle something that's not recyclable like right? not good in the first place do something different is yeah so i, I mean i i do feel in this that you, you get some of that like you see some of the the movement of the the marvel machine like negatively impacting the film but all right that's the the negative sandwich there might be some other bits but that, those are the kind of main bits for me i think i want to touch on characters before we get to themes but we have uh, a new antagonist and i feel we can go to a, a positive with Namor, who now I I I know like Namor's long-standing in in uh, comics and relationship with Black Panther. I don't necessarily come with that that uh, back catalogue of knowledge there, so I'm just taking the character as I as I see. And I I like the antagonist. Now, I guess you almost can't help but go into a Killmonger. Uh, how does he compare to Killmonger? For me, like Killmonger is just like one of the best, uh, if not the best, MCU villain in in my estimation. But I feel I feel Namor is great uh, because, and the thing with with villains, you you want to understand the rationale. Whether you agree with it or not, it's a different thing. But you understand the rationale for the character Namor and the the motivation in a wider sense of we touched on, you know, sort of cult, different cultures being pitted against each other, but realizing or understanding his need to defend his 
his country much like T'Challa, you know, did in in the first you know, civil war to Black Panther. So, what do we feel about the the character and his place as like the antagonist in this film? Like, how did the actor do, and then um, how did you feel about him? I think the actor did really well because I walked away still not liking Namor. Like, <laughs> um, but I also, I don't know. I don't agree with his reasoning because it, it was like, well, they discovered it because, you know, they found out that you had it. And so now they're looking for it. And now, like, I'm going to, like, take out your whole country unless you do this. Like, why not just fight the source? Right. Yeah. That's what I didn't understand. Like, I didn't understand the need to pull in Wakanda because obviously Wakanda's fighting the same entity you're fighting. So he just came in really aggressive for no reason, in my opinion. <laughs> like, I was just like, yo, he needs to chill. Like, what is <laughs> going on right now? I think he made more problems for himself and his people. And he could have gone about it a different way. Like he's supposed to be wise. He's been around for like 500, 600 years mm -hmm. and he doesn't know how to like deal with diplomacy. I was just very, <laughs> I don't know, but the actor did well. Cause I still can't stand that character. So kudos to him. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. He's a good villain, but also he just seemed very childish in a lot of ways. Like when he came up out of the water and he saw like those people, like, getting massacred he immediately went in and started killing people i was like he's like mm. 10 like like it, it was just really weird for me like his whole like background story and all of that i don't know it and okay. then those little like flimsy wings on his like ankles yeah yeah i mean it's true to the character but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks uh weird on screen yeah <laughs> yeah no i i actually agree with you uh as well does about uh about namor like his his motivations, I, I, I really liked him overall as a villain. I thought he was super entertaining to watch. I thought he was very cool. But I wanted to see a little more of, like, sort of his conflict with the outside world. Like, I, he, was, he was always talking about, you know, his... Um, he, he, he essentially wanted somewhat world domination. He was going to go and attack the surface world. And the only kind of explanation we get for that grudge that he has... On, on the surface world is like when we were going through the flashbacks of, you know, the origins of of Namor and Talakan and he sort of comes out out of the water and he sees like, I think they were going to, he was going to bury his mother and like yeah, the village was on fire or something. And then that, it was just that one scene. And I don't know if that one scene alone was enough for me to sort of really buy into his motivations for why he essentially wanted to just, take over the Burn world after, after. <laughs> exactly exactly but aside from that i thought like tenor Kurta, who plays the character i thought he was incredible if you guys haven't seen like him in interviews he seems like like the the, the, the most awesome guy ever like he uh i saw this one video of him um because he's mexican as well him dancing with uh lupita nyonga who's also had a mexican oh yeah and it was just like the two of them going at it and it was just super wholesome and it was like it was great i think he's i think he's gonna I look forward to seeing him in, in a lot more um, films. And I thought like the character was super cool. I loved the um, the first scene when when we first see the Talokans come out, I think, um, on the ship. Oh, on the ship. And yep. like the sirens. One thing I do want to talk about later on is the score. But like the mm. music in that scene and that, that whole introduction, almost, almost like horror movie-esque. I don't want to say it was a mm. horror movie because it's not, but like that. But also when he's with Shuri and he's showing her Talokan for the first time. And I thought like that, that whole sequence was just incredibly 
well done. Like the music, the song they use, Con La Brisa, I haven't stopped listening to it since I saw the uh, film. It's cool. such a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, we don't always talk about music, like audio side. So it's, that's good to hear that shout yeah, out. Yeah, like that's <laughs> that's one of the things. Like Ludwig Göransson did the music for the for this film, right? He did the music for the first Black Panther film. I think he's one of the best composers working today. Uh, of course, like his score for Black Panther won won the Oscar for best score. Like music for me is like a really big part of 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 just films. Whenever I go and watch a new film, it is something I really listen for. And like once again. I think the music in this film was was terrific. Like when Shuri first jumps down in the suit for the first time in front of the the council, yes. and that guitar kicks in, it's like goosebumps. Like honestly, um, that yeah, just another like just just banging soundtrack from 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 Ludwig Göransson. But yeah, like overall, I did I did like Namor a lot as villain. I'm happy they didn't kill him off because um I I do want to see more of him. Killmonger, I think, still takes like has the edge over him. I just um I I, I resonated with his character a little more. Like I could buy into his motivations a lot more. Mm. And by the way, it was great seeing Michael B. Jordan back for that one scene. I think everyone yeah. in the cinema like gasped collectively um when he showed up. Yeah, because he kept telling people he wasn't gonna be in the movie. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. My friend was like, Oh, you didn't seem surprised. You're like the only person that didn't react. And I was like, clearly I haven't seen, well, I don't really pay attention, but like I hadn't seen all the stuff about him not coming back. Um, but I was like, it made sense. It wasn't going to be like the queen in that seat. And it, <laughs> it wasn't going to be Chadwick. So. No, exactly. <laughs> to be someone. <laughs> so I knew it was going to be Killmonger. I was like 0% surprised. Like none. Like the moment she got to the ancestral plane, I like really? knew who was going to be there. Yeah. I was like, Come on. Of course. Why did you think it was going to be Killmonger? I'm I'm really I I thought it was going to be her mother because she had her just emo- died. Because of her emotional state. Mm. Was, was See, I thought it was going to be her mom. Yeah, her motivations were all all negative. She wasn't doing it because she wanted like she was in revenge mode. Like yeah. that's I was true. like so it's going to be Killmonger. Like yeah, He's that's that's the that guy. Makes sense. I literally thought it was going to be her mom trying to talk her out of it, which happened in the end in the very mm. end she sees her mom but i really thought that's what she was going to do like she was going to see her mom because that's who she was looking to see so that's who i thought was going to show up and when yeah. he showed up, i mean made like, a great moment because like yeah. even if it wasn't a surprise it's just uh her having to face that this is mm. what's inside me basically and this mm-hmm. is what i've got to deal with and and killmonger just just playing it because yeah he's the guy for revenge yeah. and like never holding a grudge right yeah um yeah like because that is kind of like i guess maybe it's because i like look a lot into like shadow work and uh what's it called god mine's just gone blank what's the word that i'm looking for foreshadowing no it's to do with dreaming lucid dreaming oh, oh okay that's the right. word i was looking for that maybe made me think of Killmonger first. Mm, okay. I wanted to say that I think he got brought back into the film. I don't think he was originally planned to be in the film, but because mm. they wanted to honor him, they brought back everybody who had like that really great relationship with him. And put yeah. that. I really think that's why he got brought back into the film. I mean, it could have been a, because like, as he said, it made sense for her, um, Shuri's character to see yeah. him, even though I, I was surprised. But There's one thing I will say, like, I just want to, like Namor's character, like I just want to sort of agree here, but like the only way I found to justify like why this centuries old 
however old he was, mm. <laughs> character was still like stuck in his ways. Like, I don't know, like it, it did feel really weird. And even his reaction, like when he initially kills everyone, uh, when he's burying his mom, I'm like, why would you have that reaction? Uh, seen that before, like you would be scared as a child versus I'm going to kill everybody. But I think he was just surrounded by a bunch of yes men. Like in in normal terms, yeah. But like I, I don't know. In 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 that time, I was like, maybe it's just a bit. I can understand him not being scared. Like he's got powers. <laughs> like why are you gonna be scared when you know? <laughs> because you've you're seeing something you've never experienced before, right? So like, and even when he was like, even when that happened, it wasn't him who went out and like killed everybody by himself. Like his followers, like his people, did, right? Like they all came up and they were all fighting. I mean, I can understand them fighting because yes, yes, because they remember. So maybe that's why. Remember. But like, but it was him that had the look in his eye. He gave the command. Like, yeah, <laughs> like that was a him move, not a them move. <laughs> you think it was because his mother told him about what happened, like how they got driven out from the land, and maybe that's what clicked. So I just think that's his natural. That's he's just him. an evil who person who is. likes to kill people <laughs> yeah because there was no other like reason like like you said he's never seen that so why would he yeah. react with violence if he's never experienced violence that's not in him that's so, not mm. like a that's not a very usual reaction for someone if they have never experienced it's violence. also like he's been around for 500 years why hasn't he like tried to fight yeah, I feel like at the the time when he should have fought like the the upper world or whatever it was when like we were shooting like pellets out of like guns that we had to like shove stuff in. I'm sorry, I don't know what it's called, uh, gunpowder <laughs> in or whatever. Like he's been around that long. Like he could have just he could have handled things by there, then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah why wait we until now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like my just like in my head, I was like, how can I justify like this character and like his lack of growth? throughout so many years like why have you never processed anything yeah like and a like my conclusion was a he's just unsettled like naturally unsettled because he chose violence when he'd never experienced it like what <laughs> what's wrong with you um and then the fact that like when i watched it the thing that came to mind because i also thought like he's extremely childish for someone that's lived for so long and mm -hmm. knows so much he's so childish and it made me think about like a, a book on trauma and psychology that i was reading which is where you're emotionally you like your your age freezes so you're emotionally stuck in a point where you experience trauma right oh wow so you think like that's, that's where like when he saw that that's where he was <laughs> like he's just a 10 year yeah. old emotional boy yeah, going on rampages that's the only like he's so immature like he's extra immature, immature and yeah. he's extra old so there's nothing that makes sense <laughs> and even yeah. if this was the case i'm like i don't know how you went that long without processing your emotions yeah. But the thing and is, is like if you have a, a bunch of people around you who don't think anything you you're doing is wrong, it you're never going to need to grow, right? Yeah. So like all of his and they worship him, as right? God as they well. worship him. So like everything he does is like I think the only time somebody questioned him was at the very end. They were like, mm -hmm. why why didn't we like you know completely kill them? And mm -hmm. that's probably like, the late. smartest thing too that he. <laughs> Yeah, he was just like, well, I was about to get my butt beat, so. 
it you would have die to- or surrender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, it was either that or. <laughs> very. But, um, that's very fascinating. I also feel like I understand Donald Trump a bit more now. But uh, anyway, the, um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we got Namor. We got uh, our characters. So one other character that I do want to make sure we mention. I mean, feel free to sort of jump in roles, but uh, Mbaku, who we, we touched on. I but, love Mbaku. Winston so Duke. he. Like Winston Duke, he's the he's the comic relief because it's a very it's a very heavy film in in the sense of like processing grief, like real life and uh, in world grief, and he gives the, he breaks the the tension in those cases. But and this goes to the point about like representation, and I felt this watching the first Black Panther is like uh, this is this is uncle like for for people like if you're in a I guess for me like West African, but other cultures might do it as well, where you have the the family friend who's not he's not blood related but is close enough to call uncle mm-hmm. and this is Mbaku he's he's uh he's like the amalgamation of that like he's he's brash he's overly confident he's loud like I I see I've seen him in, in my family and and past family gatherings and I love that I can I can see that and I can recognize that and it's just yeah it's, it's just nice to see something that you relate with in like a big budget Hollywood blockbuster and he's funny <laughs> He His is really, is really funny. funny. So he was also the point of wisdom in a lot of scenes. Surprisingly so. He was. Yeah. Mm. No, when he said, Akoya, you bald-headed demon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just great well um i mean yeah that was definitely a, a stand-up for me I, I do feel that and it's like you know dylan mentioned the the cia characters like taking up some time this is where i felt that's time that could have been spent on like Mbaku. we could have seen more on him and like his dealings with you know trying to still become like leader uh in wakanda or just generally seeing more of wakanda i mean i'm glad he's in there and he, he got time but uh, it would have been nice to see more of him. Uh, I don't know if anyone agreed or if there are other characters that kind of stood out for you. Or... I would I have liked to see him. Yeah I, yeah, I would have liked to see more of him and not just as comic relief. Also, like, I wasn't surprised at the end when he stepped out, but also I was surprised. Oh, was because... it? And claimed leadership. And, and just claimed leadership. I wasn't surprised, but then I was because I was just like, well, yeah, he's naturally going to be <laughs> the 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 leader. But also like what? Why do all this pomp and stance with like, like, why is everybody yeah. else surprised? You know what I mean? Like, I, like <gasps> I wasn't surprised that he was there. I was surprised at how he turned up. Yes, I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. And that he just announced it on behalf of Shuri. And I was like, y'all already know y'all have problems with secrets in Wakanda. You just be upfront <laughs> with your people. But um, I always liked him in the movie. I thought it was a little weird because they're very close in age in real life. And so when I look at them, because you know how black people age, they still look <laughs> very close in age. And he's supposed to be much older than her and wiser. So all they did was put a little gray in his beard. And I was like, mm. it, it seemed like he was more a big brother. To me, mm-hmm. that uncle, like he was stepping in the role of like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like Shuri was little and then like Mbaku and T'Challa were like enemies, but they became friends. And so after T'Challa left, like he stepped in the role of her big brother and kind of like her mentor. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah I get that. Mm-hmm. I guess the yeah, uncle more in terms of like the mannerisms and definitely around the council and stuff. But yeah, I, I get that. Oh, okay. Well. You're saying. Yeah. I think a character that I think I would have liked to see more of is Aneka. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. it seemed like like she had, there was something about like, I was like, oh, like, I feel like there's something I'm missing that I need to know. 
It was weird that she was in Haiti, right? Like, all of a sudden she was just, and she wasn't at the funeral. And they never explained it, really. And then you realize because she had his kid. Nakia. Nakia. Uh, Who are you talking talking about? about I'm sorry. Aneka. She's the um, other warrior. Oh, the one played by, um, oh my God, what's her name? I can't remember her name. But she had like three scenes. And I really thought she was going to really be in the movie movie. Yeah, because... in the yeah. beginning, she's got the the two the two daggers, yes, the two blades, yeah. and there's a whole thing about like I'm not having the spear, and I was like, oh, like something's here, and then and then there was nothing. I was like very disappointed. Yeah, with... yeah, I I did like the, the fact Cole. that yeah no sorry I did like the fact that we got to see more of the Dora Milaje though. Like the first one, mm. it was only really Okoye that we. That we got to see, and she's a great character. And and by the way, she gets put through the ringer in this film. Like the whole scene yes. with her and Angela Bassett, and she like sort of denounces herself um, in front of everyone. That was heartbreaking to see. And what was even more heartbreaking, and I can't stop thinking about this. And I don't know if you guys feel the same. Was so Queen Ramonda dies, right? But like they she keeps calling her mother. Yeah, but it's almost like they almost kind of parted on bad terms. Like she didn't get a chance to sort mm-hmm. of um yeah. have some sort of um make amends. Yeah, make amends to her before she died. Like that I thought that was like just 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 heartbreaking to see. And I think like Denai Gurira who plays Akoya, like she's she's fantastic. And she like goes through so many emotions in this film. Like what one minute they're in like um Riri's um uh, college apartment and they'll like you know making jokes and she's hilarious. The makeup. Yeah. And then the next minute then she's in front of the council and like she's breaking down and it's crazy. And yeah. also by the she's way fight for her life. And... Yes, the fight scene she has with what's his name? Namor's like elite general guy on the yes. bridge was insane. Like there was no music. It was just like you could feel the grit from that. And it was like the choreography with that was incredible. She takes like five of them on. And I was like, oh mm. my God, this is this is crazy. But um that's how good the last fight scene should have been. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. that's how good the last fight scene should have been. That's uh oh uh, I mean yeah that that scene was was hard to take because you know up until now we've seen her just just be able to take everything on and and win and mm. we see her lose and then she has to deal with losing not just losing the fight but losing the uh losing shuri losing the trust of uh the queen and just yeah her position so i like that and that's what i like about this film in general that we have we have stakes like there is yeah. i mean obviously we've got the actual loss of chadwick boseman and that's like a whole thing in and of itself but we have like stakes. So when Okoye loses, she loses Shuri. She loses like an important character. When Namor attacks Wakanda, she loses, well, they lose their queen. And that was a surprise thing. But there's, there's stakes. There's like the fate of uh, Shuri's soul, essentially. So when she sees Killmonger, it's like, you understand the path that she's on. It's like, is she going to go down that path or is she going to find her her own way and come to peace and it's like mm. and is it a thing with um like you know we previously talked about thor uh, love and thunder which uh i mean listen to our episode if you want to hear more negative <laughs> things about mcu <laughs> but it's like that's that's a film that just took out all stakes and it just didn't mean anything and and this film had had those stakes so, so many stakes i think as well that like last fight scene like this wasn't just like this is this was such a big stake because it was like if they didn't win that fight if Shuri didn't beat Namor 
Wakanda would fall. And not only Wakanda, but the world <laughs> mm. would be attacked by these like superhuman underwater sirens. Like they just don't care. <laughs> they just don't care and like have zero zero feelings towards towards the land. I did think it was interesting that like well, we talked about the music earlier, but they basically, you know, the old uh, like sailor's tale of mermaids and they sing to you and then you, and I was like, that's such an, like, I immediately picked up on that, which then made me wonder like, how old are they really? Right. Mm -hmm. Because that must be where it originates from. So he has to be older than 500 or something like that. Cause those tales have been around for a really long time. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was, I was confused with that too. Cause then he was like, oh, like the Sp- Spanish conquistadors or something came over. And I was just like, okay, so how, how, how long ago was this really? Like, how long has he been around? Unless they aren't the only underwater race. Mm. <laughs> There's a sequel. Like, uh, you're just going to be like Black Panther, just going to be one previously secluded nation discovering another previously secluded nation. And it's just, <laughs> it's go I mean, the and sea and is broad <laughs> and deep. I didn't yeah, seem like they went that deep. <laughs> <laughs> so. But um, one of the things we always like to do is like touch on the theme, so um, we can do that and then sort of pick out like any final thoughts uh, as well. But I mean, you know, there's clear like overriding themes where we you have this this idea of grief. So it's a film that explores those explores that personally and then like with a global context because this takes place in the whole you know UN back and forth thing that's going on as well. So what's interesting, you had. So we just talked about characters and you had the theme of grief and characters processing grief and processing it in different ways and coming to different conclusions. So everyone suffers a major loss, like right from the beginning. So it it set that. But then you see different characters taking different approaches. So largely like Shuri, obviously, you've got Namor taking a sort of historical grief and turning that into vengeance. And then you see uh, Ramonda and even Killmonger and his own thing on uh, how to respond to grief. So I, I... I mean, that was like a clear one. But then you also had this idea of compassion, uh, which was quite interesting about how like Shuri is learning to let go of all all the rage and embrace compassion. And it's something like that T'Challa went on in from Civil War when his father was blown up and then having that rage and then learning to deal with that. So I thought that was an interesting dynamic with the, the different characters and how they process grief. And then the other one I found is actually uh, it's the same with the the first Black Panther as well. But this idea of like vibranium as like the metaphor for natural resources and uh, Western nations wanting to get at those natural resources and willing to pit um, nations or you know nations in in Africa and, and other places against each other so they can get mm-hmm. those resources. <laughs> so that that felt familiar. I feel like a lot of people miss that, but that was definitely yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I hope not, but yeah, you're probably. <laughs> Right. And also, so, like just the the, the the how easy it was to make like to force that assumption that it was Wakanda. It's like, yeah, it has to be Wakanda. There's there's no there's no chance that there could be an external threat in this place right? Right? <laughs> where we've had aliens and <laughs> time travel. <Yeah>. And <laughs> that actually really irritated me, like because I felt like that was a reflection 
almost like a mirror to what happens in the US. I don't know, like I can't speak for other countries, but like if you've ever seen some of the videos over here of like just the police brutality and like there'll be like people in the middle of fights and it won't even be like the black person who started the fight. It might be the black person who's defending themselves. And the first person they put in handcuffs is the black person. And that's really what it felt like in the movie. And I'm sure that was done on purpose because Ryan Coogler had that incident where he went to the bank in Atlanta and was taking out money out of his own account and had the cops called on him. Do you know what I'm saying? Like just the assumption that it's nobody else. It's the black country that's doing this. Yeah. And like, it irritated me because that kept being said, like, well, it has to be them. And I was like, does it? Does it have to be them? <laughs> yeah. I like that kept bugging me as well. I was like, it clearly isn't that. Like, why was it? Why would they be there? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, right. They already have vibranium. This, yeah. And up until this point, they have only defended their land. Just, yeah. Like, they have not got involved anywhere else. So, yeah, they're going to go all the way out of their way to come to your little ship in the middle of the ocean. Right. <laughs> To like what like no it's no. not and i'm like especially in this universe where like a an extra threat would not be like yeah, unfounded. yeah. <laughs> I, oh my god i hate that in movies where they're like well it could only be one thing and it's like literally you guys just almost had everybody snapped out of existence like <laughs> come on yeah and as frustrating as it is it's good to see in that in that uh, weird sense where especially i mean we've mentioned the scene at the un where like the queen like just gives it to them and and what was in in that um takedown was like the parallels of the un the representatives at the un calling for wakanda to share uh, resources while they are sending people to steal those resources oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. very the very same moment it's like yeah just that whole scene is just uh just great and then yeah people need to see that and if they didn't get it they need to need to get that oh <laughs> so. I, I guarantee you a lot of people didn't get it <laughs> like mm. <laughs> there were a lot of touches on historical events that have happened that have shaped the way the world is today that was one of them and the other one was like Namor's story like his mm. his story like it was a lot of things that like and I love the way Ryan Coogler like intertwines these things into his movies because the people who need it, the people who need to see certain movies don't go out and see them, right? It's like us who goes out and sees them. But this movie is a movie that, yeah, you're bringing it to, you know, they're going to come see it because it's part of the Marvel. Why not put those messages in there? You know, and I I love that Mm. he does that. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, the the themes are well done. It, it, It added to the stakes of the film. So, yeah. All right. So before we end, I want to give that space for any favorite moments that we haven't touched on final thoughts dylan any moments from the from the story that you want to give a shout out to Ooh, um i mean i think like, like i previously mentioned the whole sort of um the underwater sequence and talakan that was great seeing the talakans attack the the ship for the first time when we when we first see mm-hmm. them that was really something angela bassett, bassett going like crazy with Akoye when she you know when she loses yeah. Shuri that was just incredible like by the way That's Angela tense. Bassett in this film it's just great. insane like I'm, I've been hearing like a lot of Oscar buzz for her online I think she really deserves it as well is it possible I, to to get an Oscar for a comic book film a, I don't maybe she'll a... be the first maybe yeah maybe I mean we, we in the first Black Panther film broke uh, you know records 
with the awards and whatnot. So why there's any reason why this can't do the do the same? I but, didn't do anything uh, the title of the film, but anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can hope. We can hope. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think all the performances in this film, like you can really feel like they're channeling their personal grief and coming to terms with you know chadwick's yeah chadwick's death and like you can feel that in every single one uh, everyone's performance like uh letitia wright really steps up in this film as well and like one of one, like one of my friends said one of the things he really liked about wakanda forever was the fact that she was never supposed to have the mantle of black panther like she like letitia wright didn't know sign yeah. up for this like you know she wasn't she she didn't know when she signed on to play shuri uh, I don't know how many years ago now, but um, that, you know, one day she'd be, she'd be stepping into the mantle and just there's something really kind of beautiful about that at the same time. And yeah, I I, I thought like just the whole transition, like I said, when she first sort of um, appears in the in the suit in front of everyone and like uh, Mbaku's like the Black Panther lives on, like that moment brought me to tears because it's like I felt I, I, I almost felt Chadwick there as well, like. Yeah, man, like, uh, I, I had a lot of fun with the film. Like, just overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was kind of scared going into it. No idea how they were going to pull it off. But, um, but yeah, I, I, had, I had a blast with it. Yeah, Des, there's any, anything we've missed or, I mean, there's a bunch we've missed, but, like, anything you want to shout out? I, I, I just, for whoever's listening who's, like, on the fence, if you've gotten this far, you already yeah, know what's happening <laughs> in the movie. You, you are deep but, in um... <laughs> If you haven't gone out to see it, go see it for yourself because it's a different experience for everyone. I think I've agreed with everything that everybody said so far, which is really nice. It's it's hard to come into something where they're like, the movie was trash and you think it was epic. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think he just I think he did a really good job. I really loved Riri's character because it made me feel like that's like a black girl in America. Like that's how we are. So it was <laughs> nice. Like all her reaction, I was like, yes. So it was, <laughs> it was nice to see that because uh, whether people realize it or not, the the slaves that were brought to the US and to like all these other countries are called the lost ones, right? So to continue to have that comparison co- coming from Killmonger and then going to Riri and then showing that mending that T'Challa was trying to do in the first movie, because remember it ends with him going back to the hood and yep. buying a building and for Riri to be like, oh my God, are y'all recruiting now? Like it shows so much growth of how Wakanda actually did step out of like their homeland and reach out to the lost ones, which is so important because even today, like... I feel like Black Americans, because it's the only perspective I can talk to, are (laughs) consistently trying to find that link between us and and Africa, right? Right. Um, And there's still like kind of like issues going on between like Africans not liking African-Americans and back and forth. And I just love that this film is like trying to take all the minorities and and bring us together. And I think that overall theme is so, so, so important, even though I would have taken them more out. I get why that didn't happen in the movie. And I understand <laughs> overall that like we need we need to get along because the only way we're going to get along is if we come together and we fight the main source. And like, I'm not going to say what the main source is, but if you see the movie, you know, you know who the main source is, you know who they are. And that's what we need it's to do. I think yeah. it was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, what about you, Tazzy? Again, oh, that scene um, after Shuri is lost. 
and that speech like I have lost like I've lost my my it's my like I've lost my husband gone. my son my kingdom or whatever like and now my daughter and you like I have given everything everything to it like oh like it moved me so much like it was such a powerful speech and it was delivered so well yeah I just had to that that scene definitely and then I didn't <laughs> I actually had to run out of cinema I, I missed uh like a little section in the middle but it was when the, <laughs> it was when um Neymar brings all the warriors and like like the water starts leaking into the city oh. and then it's just like the big wave comes and I was I was like at a point where I was like can I hold my pee in <laughs> for another hour? It's all that, it's all that then, water in the film. All the water and, then, yeah. and then that scene happened. I was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, ran to the toilet. And of course I was in the screen that was like furthest away from the ladies loose. Oh, man. So I literally sprinted, sprinted back. And I was like, I hate that I missed like any moment of this yeah. film. <laughs> But it was also like a very impressive display of a wave, mm-hmm. like a brief <laughs> bit that I saw, and then I got piece of it, pieces of it in flashbacks. So yeah. from what I imagine, that scene, <laughs> yeah, was highly effective in the destruction. Oh yeah, they they took Wakanda out. I was really yeah. surprised. I was yeah, me too. I was like, whoa, this is this is Wakanda. This is supposed to be also. Like... Didn't it seem smaller than I don't know? I just I thought like it was yeah. much bigger. And then like when the destruction was happening, I was like, I feel like they only took out like yeah, three streets. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> once they showed what like... they showed. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I feel that as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's so many bits. I think one of the I might cheat and give to you, but so there's a bit like with Namor when he first is just goes to Wakanda, and the way the actor just presented his character because. Like he just gets whatever defense they've got, he just got through it. But yeah. it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like a. Oh, I got through your defenses. Just I'm here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> I'm here, and I'm I have here. every right to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, like the, the confidence that that was delivered was just like, okay, this guy is serious because he just did. He just walked in and just told you what what you need to do, and then left. And it's yeah. like, okay, that's that's. This that is was guy also weird, with. because Wakanda is landlocked, so I was just like, how do he even navigate there? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, nobody's true. supposed to know where it is, <laughs> yeah. and he just yeah. came up out of the water in, like, boy shorts. Like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and then I will also say, like, uh, the end, I, I did like the ending, which didn't necessarily just descend into a CGI fight. I know there was like bad CGI in there, but it ended on a realization. Yeah. There was a realization that we don't have to do this. We can we can uh not give in to our sort of base emotions and not have to fight to the death. I feel like that's only because he was losing. I feel like that is only because he was losing. I don't think he would have given up. I don't think he up. believed in that. Yeah, I don't yeah. think, he, yeah, because at the end. Because at the end, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he had a plan. It's more Shuri. It's more the fact that Shuri didn't, like, give into that. So it was more her than than him. But yeah. But just the, the moment that that moment didn't just go into, like, fight to the death. Because, yeah, I, I think it, that's sort of been done. Like, just fight to who wins. It's, there was something more. Uh, to it um and yeah I, I just like reiterate again i just think that the challenge of this film shouldn't be underestimated where you're you're not just the lead actor but the person just embodied this this role this character like dies and 
you got to make something of it. So, I mean, obviously we've, we've talked about like criticism and stuff. It doesn't necessarily excuse that you still have a film to make and, and all that stuff. But yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough thing. And uh, I think it's it's been done really, uh, really well. So I was just going to say, he ended it very similarly. Ryan Cooler how he did the first Black Panther, where he asked, like, what T'Challa's like, we can save you. Like, not once has, like, the Black Panther gone out of his way to kill someone out of, like, just vengeance or anger. And I don't know if people picked up on that, but it's also a thing, like, where he's like, we as minorities don't need to be fighting against each other. Whereas yeah. in the first movie, it was like, we as Black people don't need to be fighting against each other. So, yeah. Where Killmonger made the choice to die. Instead mm. of yeah, so mm. yeah, I just want to highlight some other scenes before before we uh, you go into your storytelling okay. tip. <laughs> I feel like it's it's just rude to not talk about every time uh, Shuri was in her lab working extremely hard on oh, like yeah, an course. amazing breakthrough, like and also like Riri's intelligence as well. Like these these are smart young women, mm. like. Yeah. And by smart, I don't mean like, oh, like, aren't they clever? Like, they are like, if they wanted to, they could just destroy the world of tech. Like, mm -hmm. they are on a diabolical level of intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> and just like the speed that they can come up with something, the uh, under pressure, just everything. Like, it's just so nice to to see that. And I'm just imagining me as like a teen watching this film and because I already felt like that like a bit when like watching Iron Man and being like oh my god that's so cool I want to be able to like make stuff but then imagine watching that and it being someone that like kind of looks like you have you never seen that before not much not really no no so not, if you ever no. watch Batman Beyond the main character, her name is Max. She's black and oh, she's yeah. extremely Ooh. smart. That's the first time I've seen it I on TV. That. I love, I love her. I wanted to be her. Yeah, <laughs> because, yeah, right? yeah, because she's yeah, super yeah. smart, like genius level smart. Like literally, like I forgot what the name of the Batman. Terry, Terry can't Terry do McGinnis. anything without her. Yeah, yeah. That's a mm. great show. That is. But no, I, I agree with that, Tassie. I think yeah, just again that whole representation. I'm not one but two. And oh, a whole God. lab of like. Of, yes like, like it wasn't just like one lead and then a, a room full of white men it was yeah, <laughs> it was yes. yeah. <laughs> it's like no yeah this is this is their tech club and you just want to be smart. part of it yeah yeah <laughs> i think that's a good thing to bring up so all right so that is our discussion on uh black panther wakanda forever we enjoyed it. We definitely enjoyed it. Um, and if you enjoyed it, let us know. You can give your feedback on this story, this episode story discussion. Now it's time for this week's storytelling tip. Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their own stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others. And for today's episode, I wanted to discuss exploring grief in four corners. I talked about the concept of four corner opposition when we spoke about Princess Mononoke way back in episode, I think it was 35. 
uh, I'll find it. I'll put a link so you can read more. Uh, I think I did a video for that as well. You can watch that as well. But I wanted to bring it up because it it got me thinking while watching Black Panther. And um, four corner opposition is like a technique in storytelling that can essentially elevate your story by expanding it beyond a simple protagonist versus antagonist or good versus bad. Uh, battle so it does this by adding two additional opponents for your protagonist to deal with and each brings a different perspective on the main narrative theme so it's all about creating more conflicts for your protagonist and in this case it's shuri so we see her having to face up to the threat that namor presents to wakanda uh, he himself facing his own form of like long-standing grief uh, and trauma but we also see opposition from her own mother Ramonda who is pushing Shuri to embrace the spiritual side of Wakanda in her uh, moment of grief. The in other interesting opponent is uh, Killmonger because he kind of represents a, a path out of grief but one that leads to a, a life of rage and, and vengeance so it's a path that Shuri is on but learns to get off and fight against by the end of the story. So we're seeing our protagonist fight multiple conflicts while acting within a larger society, as mentioned by screenwriter John Truby. So in his book, The Anatomy of Story, and if you make stories of any kind, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, he describes how four-corner opposition allows you to represent society in miniature, so making for a deeper and more engaging story. It's what can help you go from a formulaic story that can risk acting as a mouthpiece for the creator's personal view to something that is a more engaging examination of a theme from multiple perspectives and through conflict. Uh, so uh, Truby also says that great storytelling isn't just conflict between characters, it's a conflict between characters and their values. So in Black Panther, we have the following corners representing different values. We've got uh, Shuri, the protagonist who's on that journey to overcoming grief, but from a very personal place, because partly because she feels personally responsible for the death of T'Challa and that she couldn't do what she believes she could to save him. Then we have the antagonist on the other corner, who has who is Namor, who has turned his grief into a uh, centuries or maybe more quest for vengeance for the good of his people and his nation. So it's kind of like a wider view on that. Then we also have uh, Ramonda, Wakandan queen, who has taken an almost like pragmatic, stoic approach to her grief. So she's had that personal grief dealing with, but she's she's like working for the good of her people, doing what has to be done for the good of the wider nation. Uh, and then Killmonger, like Namor, has also suffered from past trauma that he's turned into a quest for vengeance, uh, even in death. But like Shuri, his connection is very personal uh, and is not necessarily working for the greater good, although he thinks he is. So four-corner opposition is something I also keep in mind when writing our own My Matter stories, in particular, The Eleventh Hour, which is coming at some point, TBC. Uh, so in the case of that story, I'm examining themes of agency within different political and societal systems. It's forced me to think about different perspectives on that central theme. So like, what do you do when the systems around you are failing? So it's something that I'm going to explore through different characters who provide a different level of conflict to the main protagonist, who is Norio, who is the uh, the cute panda, uh, red panda in the hoodie that you might have seen on some of our stuff. So he'll begin the story believing that he has very little ability to influence the, real, the world around him for good. And on his journey, he'll meet the main antagonist, Othello, who is the political leader in this, in this world, in this story, who definitely does believe in his own power, 
to affect change around him for the negative. Um, but Norio will also meet other characters, uh, Shun and October, who each have their own perspectives and values that are going to conflict with each other, every other character in the story. So this allows you, like Four Corner Opposition, allows you to examine both the pros and the cons through the lens of different characters. Uh, so here are a few tips in addition to the other tips I gave in episode 35 to consider when implementing Four Corner Opposition in your story. So number one is what is, your, what is your theme? You can only really do this if you have a strong idea of what the theme of your story is. So for example, the theme is more of um, your narrative theme is like a statement. So for example, money isn't a theme, it's just a word, but the pursuit of money can be destructive is a theme. And then you can explore that through different characters. So number two, once you've got that theme, you can uh, break it into four corners. So you can think about how you explore the th theme from those different perspectives that conflict with each other. And then number three, what are the characters that represent those perspectives and what are their journeys? So the characters on each corner don't necessarily have to change. Well, I guess your protagonist ideally should, but other characters don't necessarily have to change, but it should be a considered decision if they do or they don't change. And then it's about um, making a story that allows them to go on that journey and explore those different perspectives within your theme. Uh, so that's the story tip for this week. If you're writing a story, let us know what you think. If it's something you consider considered in your story, let us know by email, feedback at myamanda.com or jump in our Discord and let us know there. So that's the tip for this episode. Tazzy, let's check in with our guests. So as you know, we like to hear about what our guests are up to what any uh, new products or news they have and we'll start with dylan oh well, thanks a lot um yeah i mean um if you guys uh didn't know you probably don't know it but um i run a youtube channel called the popcorn podcast um which is quite deceiving um well the title is at least it's a it's called the popcorn podcast but i haven't actually launched the podcast segment of it just yet but tease. Um, it is a tease indeed yeah but um if all goes well i think um i should be actually la launching that come the new year in january so um that's the next sort of big thing that i've got coming up which is um i'm very excited about uh aside from that december christmas time i'm sure everyone's uh excited for, for christmas how can you not be end of year videos that i usually do t top 10 of the year uh, most anticipated for 2023 uh, all that kind of good stuff sort of heading over on YouTube so uh, yeah I think that is more or less it for me I did actually release a a vlog style video that I shot um, when I was doing press for the London Film Festival a month ago so um, that was like a super enjoyable video that I was working on and I've got a lot of uh, positive feedback from it so um, I mean if you guys have a minute or 20 feel free to check that out and uh let me know what you think a uh, shameless plug uh, but yeah i think that's it for me guys thanks very much i mean this is the place to plug so does <laughs> <laughs> what about you so you know just still doing the podcast uh burnout brighter which focuses on mental health gaming and just social justice um issues and topics um, we now have a podcast that we do over on Level 1 Gaming called um, Bonus Level, 
which is basically us just having a good time. It's a shorter form. Um, We come up with a topic, like whether it be what's the best food to use in a food fight. And we talk to other content creators just to like give them a break from having normal interviews just to like do something fun. Let's see. I was recently, I recently hosted the last two um, sessions of Black Voices in Gaming, which is really exciting. Hoping to move forward with something I'm planning for women in gaming, a showcase that I'm working on with them right now, getting all the details for that. So hopefully that'll come to fruition next year. And yeah, just working um, at Freedom Games, which is an indie publisher. But if you guys want to keep up with me, you can always follow me at on Twitter at DNBC32. And uh, I guess people are moving over to Hive yet. I don't know how long Twitter is going to last. So <laughs> it's the same thing over there if you want to follow me there. Twitter is just like falling apart. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, super excited for that. And um, at some point, we need to have you, Nigel, and Tazzy on our show probably next year because we're going to take a break for December and uh, kind of reorganize everything as we, we start uh, the new chapter of the podcast. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'd be up for I that. I love that. Yeah. I'm down. I'm down. Um, and you too, Dylan. God, that was, I mean, <laughs> Jesus, that was oh. rude of me. Um, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I was just waiting. I was like. Yeah, Not like, is she well. going to say my name? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Any of you would love to have you on the podcast. A really awkward point where you're the only one that doesn't get invited to the party. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm sorry. Look, I'm tired today. Just I was blame about to leave that. the call with that that. Yeah, no, it's like, this is your cue to exit. You are no longer needed. <laughs> so, as always, we will put links in the show notes uh, to make it a bit easier for you to find those, if, just in case you miss them. But, yeah. Cool. And, yeah, um, Dylan, Des, D&D you'll forever be known as uh thank you both for joining us uh today uh, as always a pleasure man thank you yeah. for having me so much thank you yeah, yeah. thank you fun. So when it was it. a pleasure meeting you i just likewise. want you to know that it was a, yeah likewise, okay likewise. <laughs> <laughs> see that making transatlantic connections <laughs> there we go um so i'll forgive but i won't forget it's <laughs> <laughs> like we just birthed a new name all here <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like i'll burn this whole thing down revenge is uh, coming in 500 yeah. years. years yeah you just you just oh wait my God. <laughs> yeah episode 1 million and 21 you just wait <laughs> <laughs> so if you enjoyed this episode of story x story uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review because that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussion uh, also don't forget to check out our own stories on the my matter website uh, 11th hour is coming but we do have many other stories available at mymatter.com forward slash manga including uh, the latest release serious through the fog you can also join our Studio 77 Discord server um, and chat with us there. You can also consider becoming a Studio 77 member for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the Maya Meta universe. And coming next year, or coming again next year, is our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign that we launched this year. We've now wrapped up the events and activities, and we're going to be planning what to do for 2023. So you can check out looklikeagamer.com. And when we have those new plans in place, we'll be switching up the website, updating the socials and letting people know how they can get involved in empowering young people, future generations of diverse talent 
so they can know there's a place for them in video games. And as for the podcast, we release ep- episodes every Thursdays, except the last one because uh, I had a thing I was at. Anyway, usually on Thursdays, and those include creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. Uh, so thank you for tuning in and until next time, stay safe and remember, it's not the size of the wings but the speed at which they carry you. <laughs> Take care, everyone. <laughs>